0: One of my favorite hymns, He Leadeth Me. It's a hymn about a journey in the wilderness. It's a hymn about God's presence and God's guidance in the wilderness. It's also a song about a destination. We are on a journey with a destination. And when my task on earth is done, so the hymn says. But that begs the question. What is the task? What are we supposed to be doing in the here and now as we await for the promised land? Uh, Well, that question goes right into the mission that God has entrusted to us here at Brentwood Oaks, as we are a people who are devoted to worshiping God, bringing people to faith, conforming to the image of Jesus, and caring for others in need. Uh, We're not a people who just wait around. Our mission is not, hang in there and we'll escape all this one day. That's that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. That's not the kingdom that has been ushered in through Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord now. And we announce it. That is our task on earth to make that announcement in word and deed. Our God reigns. Uh, This is what Jesus instructed the church to do. And this brings us to this series on the theme of bringing people to faith, a series called The Great Commission. Uh, We began this series actually a few weeks ago. We went to the Old Testament. As an anchor passage, we went to Psalm 67 and the priestly blessing of Israel that was this hidden tract that was meant to be amplified to the nations. Already, in the Old Testament, there's this pivot to the nations. We see this in what could be labeled as the first great commission that we read a couple of weeks ago. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the calling of Abram. As humanity was going down on a sinking ship, a rescue call went out. And through Abraham's seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed Something fully realized in Jesus of Nazareth, which brings us to the words of Jesus on the mountain in Galilee in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, the first book of the New Testament. We're going to begin here in a moment in verse 16. As you're turning there, though, I do want to talk about mountains in the Gospel of Matthew, there are mountains everywhere. So it's on a mountain where Jesus faces his temptation. The, the evil one offers him the glimmer and the glamour that, that Mel mentioned in his prayer, the kingdoms of this world and their glory, and Jesus rejects that on the mountain. It's on the mountain where Jesus gives his most famous sermon, the words that were read this morning, the Beatitudes. It's on a mountain where Jesus is transfigured, a preview of the glorified self. It's on a mountain where Jesus gives His final words, His final discourse, and talks about the end of the age. And finally, it's on a mountain where Jesus gives His marching orders to His disciples. And so, in Shades of Moses on Mount Sinai, Jesus spends a lot of time on mountains. But what is our task? What are the marching orders that we've been given? Well, let's hear the word of God from Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. May God bless the reading of his word. Around 10 years ago, I was picking up something at Target. I can't remember what I was shopping for, but a random woman came up to me and asked me for help. She needed help finding something, and I politely said, I I can't help you, I don't know where the item is you're talking about. A few minutes pass and someone else comes up to me except they have a different opening question. They ask, do you work here? I need some help finding something. And it is only in that moment when I realized I was wearing a red polo and white khakis, white pants. I looked apart I looked official. I was wearing the Target uniform in Target, and I became a Target. (laughs) Because I had the colors, I was viewed as a worker. I had instant credibility with the customers. One might even say I had a bit of authority. Now, I wonder what would have happened if I had helped someone? Would Target have paid me? That's the big question. Hold that thought. I thought of that memory this week in reading the words of the Great Commission, especially the opening of the Great Commission, the words of Jesus on the mountain in Galilee to the eleven, men who lacked all credibility. Uh, They really were an island of misfit toys, fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, A group of men who really didn't look the part for making this grand announcement that would fundamentally change the course of human history, no one would be drawn to them. But Matthew highlights something that we don't often associate with the Great Commission. He says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. What are we supposed to do with that? What was this doubting business all about? Well, there are some options. Perhaps it was some of the eleven. Maybe it was all of the eleven. There are some who have suggested that the eleven weren't the only disciples there on the mountain. They're just the ones that Jesus highlighted. I tend to think that it was some of the eleven who doubted. Another option is the translation of the word for doubt. The word can mean uncertain, but also it can mean hesitate. Listen to how that sounds. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some hesitated. That makes sense to me. Regardless of which option we choose, here on the mountain in Galilee, there is this mixture of worship and, doubt. and I can't help but think of the early church. I can't help but think about those who, maybe a couple of generations later, received the Gospel of Matthew. We don't know a lot about that church. There are many who believe that this was a church in Syria, made up of largely Jewish Christians, because of all of the Old Testament citations in the Gospel of Matthew we do know some things that were probably going on. You see, there are different audiences for the Gospels. There are those who receive the original words of Jesus there on the mountain, for example. There's us today at the Brentwood Oaks Church. We are 2,000 years removed from this, but we're hearing these inspired words. But there's a third audience And really, this is the group that gives the most shape to the telling of a story, and that's the church for whom Matthew is writing this gospel. Well, what's going on between 70 and 90 A.D.? What do we know about this time period? Well, we know that it was a time of swift transition, a time of great uncertainty. Uh, This would have been well into the second generation of Christians, The second generation of leaders, when you think about it, Peter, Paul, James, the great pillars of the church are now dead, martyred. Not to mention the fact that by the time Matthew is written, the church had become largely Gentile. There were some seismic shifts that had happened in the 50 years after Jesus was raised from the dead. And so, an inspired Matthew is writing to a church with their own mixture of worship and doubt. Perhaps feelings of inadequacy for the task at hand to go and make this grand announcement in the face of the Roman Empire. But I wonder about the people in this room this morning. I wonder if there are those among us who can find their place on the mountain with their own mixture of worship. And hope, but also doubt, uncertainty, hesitation when it comes to the task at hand, the mission that's been entrusted to us. Uh, we come in the hope of the resurrection, but I wonder this morning if there's also some lingering doubt. Maybe it has to do with a life situation, a great trial. Maybe you are weary this morning. Maybe it's fear. You take a a survey of the landscape around us and you look at our society and it seems like the world is becoming more broken and the church is being pushed more and more to the margins of society. Maybe along with the disciples in the early church you have feelings of inadequacy for the task at hand. Who am I to participate in this mission? I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the words. I don't have the testimony. I carry with me the scars of the sins of the past. Maybe even the wounds of the present. And we stare off into Austin, Texas and the Austin area. And we we look at all the powers of this city. A city of great politics academia, entertainment, sports, music, technology, science, new age spiritualism. Austin is a weird place and proud of it. We go out to this weird city with this message. It's a peculiar and weird message. The son of a Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago from some no-name village gathered a following of mostly poor people, and he was executed as a criminal, but he's raised from the dead. He is Lord over the cosmos, and he demands allegiance as we live lives of, of virtue by the power of His presence among us, His Spirit within us? How will that preach in Austin, Texas in 2023? In a city where there are so many different claims to power, authority, happiness, fulfillment, even salvation. So it would be understandable this morning if we come here around the table with a mixed bag of worship and doubt... Maybe this morning you hear the call to go and make disciples, but for whatever reason, you hesitate. Well, if that's you this morning, let me invite you to the mountain. Let me invite you to survey the faces of the 11 men who had recently failed. They had the biggest failure of their lives. Whenever Jesus needed them most, they fled They hid. They disowned. They wept. They slept. And yet Jesus says there on the mountain, this is the group. I'm not starting over with anyone else. You are them. Jesus met them where they were. Jesus met them on the mountain. And he's about to commission this ragtag group of rejects to the greatest mission in history. But in this sermon on the Great Commission, this first of three, I want to draw your attention to two words in this passage, especially if you come here this morning with doubt. And the first word is found in verse 19. And it's the word, therefore... We'll get to the content of the mission next week with the going and the baptizing and the teaching aspects of the mission. But for this morning, I want to camp out with the word, therefore. Because, as has been mentioned by many in this room at different times, whenever you come to the word, therefore, you need to look at what comes before. And that word signals to us that we need to spend a little bit of time this morning with verse 18. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus starts the Great Commission with, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Before Jesus tells them to get going with this disciple-making business, He tells them about the authority that's been given to Him. And attached to the word authority is a second word. It's a repeated word. And we've noticed this the last few months. When there is a repeated word in Scripture, uh, that is a call to pay attention. That, That helps us unlock the meaning of the passage. And there's a repeated word in the Great Commission. I'll read it again out of the ESV. Listen for that repeated word. I'll begin in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i'm with you always to the end of the age did you catch the word did you catch the word all a l l There's this universal, all-encompassing thrust to the mission to all the nations, teaching them to observe all the commands, and Jesus being with them, being present with them literally all the days. But these words of Jesus begin with all authority in heaven and on earth. And this isn't something that Jesus seized and grabbed and chased after. He had that temptation on the mountain in Matthew chapter 4 with the evil one presenting to him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And the evil one says, if you just worship me, all this will be yours. But Jesus rejected that. He didn't grab a hold of that. He didn't seize it. Instead, in the upside-down nature of the kingdom that has invaded this world, Jesus completely surrendered himself to the will of the Father. And because of this, All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. The highest power, the highest status in the cosmos belongs to the risen Lord. And this is a present reality. This is what the early church went to their grave. It's what they went to the lion's den for. It's what they went to the fiery stake for. Announcing that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the risen Lord. This is what the disciples needed to hear. Those disciples who came to the mountain with a mixture of worship and doubt. uh, These men who had given their allegiance to the Lord and yet hesitated. This is what the early church needed to hear. Generations after this moment, in a rapidly changing world, They were sent out in the face and the shadow of the Roman Empire, and yet they went out in the name of the one who had been given all authority in heaven and on earth to speak on behalf of the king, to serve as his ambassadors, his representatives to the nations. As heralds, making an announcement. There are a lot of metaphors that we could apply to this moment there on the mountain. Uh, We could say that the eleven were deputized. Uh, They were given their badges in that moment and sent out under the authority of Jesus. But for this morning, I'm going to stick to the metaphor that they were given the store uniform. The disciples of Jesus represented him to the world. And the world took notice. There are, there's a lot of power in a uniform. Something that I accidentally found out wearing a red polo to Target years ago. People were drawn to me. People sought me out. People looked to me for answers. Because I looked the part. A mistake I haven't made since. But here we are at Brentwood Oaks. We join in with this mission We join in with the Great Commission, we go out, not with a name tag, uh, not with an official Christian polo that announces that we are ambassadors, no, we go out as one body being fully clothed with the fruit of the Spirit being worked out in our lives, in word and in deed. We go out by the word of our testimony in the blood of the Lamb. We go out speaking on behalf of the king, his representatives that should be recognizable to others by the way we conduct ourselves amongst our neighbors. We go out under his authority as a kingdom, priests. You know, when you think about it, we should have people who come up to us and ask, Do you work here? You're wearing the uniform. Do you work here? I need some help finding something. Or maybe better stated, I need some help finding someone. This morning you may come here carrying feelings of doubt and inadequacy for the mission. Well, let's face it, we are inadequate for the task. Just like the eleven were on the mountain in Galilee so many years ago. And yet the one whose spirit resides within us is not inadequate. In fact, he's more than able. So hear the good news this morning. Before Jesus gives the content of his mission, he gives us the big, therefore, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and we respond to his leading in this mission to bring people to faith, and we answer his call. There's a call that comes ringing, the Macedonian call, and we are sent out in his power, and in his authority, and by his grace. If you would like to respond to the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, the one who is risen, the one who is living in his church today, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.